I have the day off. I have the DVD of Doctor Who's The Reign of Terror um, currently in my DVD player, all queued up and ready to go. Because The Reign of Terror is not on BritBox, so I had to dig out the DVD. Um, could I get through the whole story, the entire six-parter, all in one day, and get this released today, September 20th? Finish off the, the first season of Doctor Who? Maybe. This is a story I've only seen a couple of times before. And I've never seen the uh, animated 4th and 5th, I think it's 4th and 5th episodes. I've only ever seen the uh, loose cannon reconstruction of those two missing episodes. And that reconstruction, you know, they didn't have a, a whole lot to go on. So there's a lot of... I remember a lot of scenes of a door opening and closing. Like, there's apparently there's a lot of scenes where people go in and out of a room. So they every time they went to that same shot and, you know. And Loose Cannon did an amazing job in the, in the 90s of uh, reconstructing missing Doctor Who from the Hartnell and Troughton eras. Um, to where, so that you can see some of the images images at the same time as you're hearing the soundtrack but it will be interesting to 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 watch the animated episodes um 4 and 5 to see uh you know get a more solid conception of it even even if it's not necessarily what the actual episode must have been like um we're, you know we're still going to get that um some of that continuity of uh of storytelling in this so you know i haven't started watching it yet but uh and then here's the other thing about this right now um it's a wednesday morning about 7 45 a.m as i said i'm off work today oh, day off and I don't feel like taking notes. <laughs> this is this is something that I've been debating on every single time I, I do a, a new Doctor Who serial. Um, of the, this is the eighth one, and um, I'm always like, you know, should I take notes? You know how how much plot should I um, rattle off as I'm doing these reviews and I don't know if I've landed on a on a solid system on that yet. Maybe I shouldn't even try because uh maybe it should be just dictated by the story. Um the last one the censorites um I did take fairly extensive notes and then I referred to those notes when I was doing the review. And I you know it helped me keep on track, but at the same time it did have a sense of all right, I did my homework. Now I'm going to, um, uh, you know, read off my book report. You know, it, it sort of felt like that. So I might do that sometimes, but it's also nice to just be able to talk off the cuff and just, um, and this is something that I've gone back and forth on. Um, 
so I probably should just uh, kind of go by by whim of what feels right at the time, I guess. You know, when we get into the modern series, if I make it that far, um, it it, uh, it won't be as much of an issue because the stories are shorter um, and faster. Uh, you know, the Doctor Who of the '60s. Has, has a slower pace, of course, because all television had a slower pace in the 60s and even the 70s and 80s. So throughout the classic series, it has a slower pace and, it, and it's designed to watch one episode at a time, not necessarily all six in one go like I'm apparently going to do today. <laughs> so what'd you do on your day off there, buddy? Oh, I, uh, I watched an old... Uh, Six-parter of Doctor Who from 1964. Damn, it sounds like a blast. You know, most people would be like, what? Was it nice outside? Why did you stay here? I don't know. Anyway, um, you're listening to Somewhere in the Hooniverse. Um, I am Shambles Constant. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, let's see how this whole thing goes. Let's do... Let's do a little story. Oh, this is what the theme song sounds like. I never have uh, actually uh, played it on here before. That's the old theme song. I kind of wish that uh, I could just record the whole thing while watching it and talk about it as I go, but um, I think that would be a copyright uh, violation of some sort. So I'll be back. Okay, I just got through the first episode, A Land of Fear. And uh, we start off where the Censorites left off, uh, where Ian is pissed off the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, no, no, we're, we're going to drop you guys off. Uh, actually, it's unclear. Is it just Ian, or is it Ian and Barbara? You know, like, are they functioning as a unit? Is it a situation where, they, you know, he would throw Ian off the ship, but Barbara could stay? In either case, it seems to be a foregone conclusion that they're both leaving. Um, and uh, now everybody's treating it more seriously. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're like, like should, should you check and make sure everything's okay outside of the ship? And the doctor's being all arrogant and being like, like I don't have to check. I know everything is, you know. And they, they turn on the scanner screen and... They just see a bunch of trees. So, yeah, sure, that must be, you know, that must be back home. You know, that must be 20th century England. Of course, that's the only place that these trees could exist, you know. So, you know, Susan's upset. Uh, she starts crying over the whole thing. And, um, you know, Ian and Barbara are like, uh, like, well, okay, I guess we're doing this and then they they do this thing where they they actually they butter the doctor up a little bit because he doesn't even want to leave the ship he wants to just drop him off and and take off and they know that there's a good chance they're not home so they they actually stand on either side of him in the console room and they're you know they're they're you know they convince him to step outside, like, you know, wouldn't it be terrible for, we've been through a lot together, wouldn't it be terrible to leave like this, just, uh, you know, just uh, cut it off, and, you know, maybe, maybe come out of the ship and, 
um, spend an hour or two, you know, we'll just, we'll go have a drink or something. And Barbara's actually like batting her eyes. <laughs> and, uh, so finally the doctor's like kind of won over. He's like, okay, well fine. I guess we're, uh, he's like, Susan, I'm going to go see them off. And she's like really happy to see just the fact that they're, you know, they're not going to leave, you know, um, angry. It's going to be a, cause Barbara's like, you know, you knew we were going to get home eventually. And they're like, you know, if we, if we stay, the longer we stay, the, the more, the, you know, the more difficult it's going to be, uh, for us to, to, you know, to leave. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be harder on everybody. So, um, you know, so they go, they all, they all go out in the forest and they're wandering around and it takes the first half of the, of this episode to figure out where they are. Um, it could, you know, it could be anywhere. Even when they find like this house, uh, they find this big house that, you know, on the inside, you can't really tell. Like it could be a house back in the past. Um, it, you know, it could be in the present and just not have the modern, uh, you know, conveniences of like electricity and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, there's no fridge, <laughs> there's no stove, like that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, they, they meet this young boy, probably about nine or 10 and they find out that they're in France and he tells them in a very British accent. <laughs> um, yeah, everybody in this story has a British accent. Like, uh, the, you know, they don't have the French accents that you would expect, even though they're supposed to be, uh, in, in France, you know, in Paris and all, you know, so... <laughs> Um, I, I guess that was a standard thing with uh, BBC costume dramas and stuff like that, where they, you know, they, they all spoke like the received pronunciation or, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's like, fine. And uh, so, uh, you know, so they're in this house and they're wandering around um, and, uh, you know, the boy was with them, but he ran off. Uh, and then they meet these two, um, rebels, uh, and they figure out, Ian figures out that this house is being used like as a, like a way station, um, for people trying to escape and go somewhere, you know, somewhere else like, a, a you know, and he's, he, he's figured that out because there's dust on everything, but it seems like somebody has been there recently. So that's, you know, and these, so these two rebels meet them. Um, and at first they're kind of threatening to them. And then when they find out that, that, that the travelers are, um, from England or Ian and Barbara anyway, um, you know, they kind of slack up on them and they're like, like, okay, well, yeah, you're going to have to figure out what side you're going, you're on soon though. You're going to have to figure that out. But so the doctor went upstairs and the rest of them are, are, are downstairs, um, you know, these rebels are kind of talking a little bit about their, their situation. Um, I think they were soldiers and then they, they, uh, ran off and, you know, in protest and, you know, the, the, the oppression and all this. And, and then a whole freaking pack of soldiers shows up outside with like torches and stuff with the, the, the torches will, you know, be important soon here. Uh, but, um, you know, and they, and they come in and they're, they're threatening Ian and Barbara and Susan. 
um, you know, and they're all like, oh, we're, we're by ourselves. And they're like, no, we are, you know, the, we found the old man upstairs and, uh, we know that he's with you too. And, um, you know, so then, uh, you know, the, the, the rebels are arguing with the soldiers back and forth. And, you know, it seems like that kind of story where like these two rebels are going to be like important characters throughout the story. And maybe they're going to be, um, traveling alongside, um, the, the TARDIS crew and, you know, um, and nope, they, uh, they get shot. The soldiers, uh, shoot the one guy and then, you know, the other guy tries to get away and they, they're like, um, standing over him. And then they like, like, this looks like they're going to like start to beat him down. And then, um, the next shot is like from the other room and you just hear, you know, you hear a gunshot and laughter. I mean, these, these soldiers are ruthless, man. They, I mean, they, they are taking joy in what they're doing. They're, you know, they're like laughing, not like cackling laughter, but they're, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. So our two rebel friends are, are dead. And, um, you know, the soldiers capture Ian, Barbara and Susan and, uh, you know, they, they've still got the torches and they're saying, you know, we're, um, let, you know, let, let's basically let's kill them. Let's put them on the, on the guillotine and, and kill them. And, uh, oh wait, Hey, why don't we torch the house too? Um, that's a good idea. Why don't we burn the house down? It was like, well, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> and the doctor's unconscious upstairs, um, lying on, on the floor on the ground floor you could call it a floor and um you know so the the soldiers um set fire to the house and uh, take ian and barbara and susan outside of it and they're you know they're walking through the forest like you know you know they're going to take them they're going to take them back to the guillotine and uh the try you know the 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 companions turn around and look at the the house and you know they see it it uh you know, is in flames and they're like, wow, I, oh God, you know, Susan's like upset and like, you know, there's a scream in there somewhere and, and they're saying, well, I sure hope he got out. <laughs> it's like, ah, for all our sakes, I hope he, I hope he got out. And then we've got this shot of the doctor in, uh, you know, the upstairs area and, uh, he's coughing and choking on smoke and try, I mean, and William Hartnell gives it like, you know, his all in this, like he, he really gives one hell of a performance. And then that of course is the cliffhanger. Th this is a great first episode. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's very suspenseful. Um, it, you know, it, like I said, the first full half of it is just them trying to figure out where they are. And it, you know, it, it's, you know, every, like every, you know, every scene is, is exciting and interesting. And so it's, it's a great start to this story. And, um, I also love how once they figure out they're in the French revolution, you know, the doctor wasn't going to leave the TARDIS, but once they find out Susan's like, well, we're not going to get him out of here. Cause that's his favorite period in history. Like what, <laughs> like the doctor's favorite period in earth history is the French revolution. You know, this, uh, this whole, um, deadly era, you know, I guess it's kind of like, uh, you know, World War II, uh, you know, um, 
you know, people who, who are experts at World War II or like the Civil War or like that, you know, like they can't get enough of their subject kind of a thing. And they're watching it on the History Channel and all this. Like the doctors, the doctors watching, you know, French Revolution specials on whatever passes for the History Channel and the TARDIS, you know, whatever they've got. So, and that's where we leave off on that one. And, uh, so yeah, so I'll be back with the second episode is called Guests of Madame Guillotine, which is my favorite individual episode title so far um, of of this whole entire season. Um, Guests of Madame Guillotine. It just sounds, oh uh, yeah. So um, oh, the story is by Dennis Spooner, um, who hadn't written anything up until this point. I was thinking it was John Lucarotti, but Spooner's historicals have a bit of a different. Uh, feel to them um there's maybe more of an emphasis on i don't know if i want to say humor um at times there is but there there's there's something different to them like you know it more oh I, i'm not even sure i gotta think about this because i'm not sure how i would even classify it but uh spooner um writes several uh historical stories over the course of the 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 Hartnell era. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to the more of those soon. I forgot to mention that, uh, when they were in the house, um, Ian, Barbara and Susan, um, they start finding all this stuff. Like they're, they're, you know, from trying to figure out where they are, but like, um, they, they start finding this stuff in trunks, you know, like these old clothes and like daggers and stuff. And, uh, they're just like going through shit. They're like, wow, check this out. Oh, look at this. And then, you know, the three, companions all take clothes you know like clothing of the time and and put it on like they, they just like change clothes um you know i guess to to blend in but it's just kind of funny how they just like start ransacking the place but uh you know so they go through their stuff and of course you know the doctor won't you know uh, like he's not in the scene at the time so he doesn't um change clothes but uh yeah so they're you know they're in these like period costumes and that's actually how they they figure out um, you know that they're in the past. Yeah, I mentioned mentioned that. Well, the boy Jean Pierre uh, rescues the doctor, um, gets him out of the 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 burning house and to safety. Um, there's a nice, really lovely little scene where they're, the doctor is talking to Jean Pierre and he's you know. He's like, well, thank you, young man. And um, Jean Pierre's like, I wish I could go with you, but um, my, you know, my father's gone, and I have to take care of my mother. And the doctor's like, well, you're the head of the house now, young man. And you know, um, and actually, like, you know, salutes him. The doctor actually salutes the the boy. Um, it's a really nice little scene between the two of them. You know, it's like it's like I can never thank you enough, and all this kind of stuff. And then. He heads on, and and the other adventures that the Doctor gets into in this episode are uh, actually pretty entertaining and uh, a little shocking in a way. Like we we see scenes of him, um, you know, from behind, uh, where it's actually apparently is like a stunt double for Hartnell because, um, you know, he's walking great distances. Um, you know, he's through like these sweeping fields and these, you know, these roads and, you know, he's heading, he's heading for Paris to find out where everybody else went. And, uh, like he's just trucking along with his cane and everything. And, 
um, he comes upon this uh, road crew, and you know they're they're uh, you know they're I guess they're tax dodgers, um, where this uh, this uh, their leader is you know kind of browbeating them to you know to keep working and to, you know all this stuff, and he's just like this mean guy and. Uh, the doctor gets after him and is like, you know, if you would help them out a little bit, maybe you w wouldn't be such a dick. That's basically what he says. And, uh, you know, and so the the, the road crew boss, uh, you know, makes the doctor start working too on the on the road and, you know, give them a shovel. You know, so they're all doing the with shovels. And then there's a later there's another scene where the doctor is talking to the, the other road crew guys and... Um, you know, he he comes up with this diversion to make it look like they, you know, they found these like coins, and uh, you know, it's like look, look right here, look, 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 there's coins, and you know, and uh, you know, at this point, the boss is like, was like, well, dig them up, and he's like, well, I'll dig them up myself. Let me get these coins, and like, um, well, his back is to them. The doctor actually takes his shovel and beats the boss upside the head with it. And which is like, what the fuck was that? So like, I didn't know he had it in him, you know, but we do see where, you know, the boss is unconscious, but he's lying on the ground. He's just like snoring away. So we know that he, you know, he didn't kill him, that he's all right. But then the doctor's like, you know, like the rest of the road crew takes off and the doctor's like, it was like pleasant dreams. And then he like puts a the coin on one of the guy's eyes is <laughs> like takes off and keeps on, keeps on trucking, you know, he, you know, heading on his way for, for Paris. <laughs> so then we get, uh, we've got Susan and Barbara are in a, a, a prison cell and you know, they, they, they're talking quite a bit about previous adventures that they've, they've gone through and how they, you know, they've, They've dealt with a lot of uh, obstacles, you know, as they've been going through, you know, in their their travels, and um, and the 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 cell stinks and reminds Barbara of uh, prehistoric times, and you know, so they've got some of that, and they're and they're talking about luck, and you know, Barbara says, well, so, you know, a lot of times we've made our own luck, you know, we found our own opportunities, so basically, you know, we'll we'll get out of this, we'll get out of this, and then. Um, at the end of the episode, they're being marched to the guillotine. <laughs> um, so it's like, oh boy, that's a, you know, to which the, the guillotine is like the cliffhanger in the first and second episode, or it's part of it. Cause they're, since they're being led toward the guillotine, but, uh, Ian's in his own cell with this guy Webster, who's, uh, lying down and he's very sick and, um, you know, he tells Ian that he needs to find this guy named James Sterling and, uh, you know, ask this other guy, Ru Renard or Ruben or something, um, you know, where to find James Sterling. And then Webster dies. And, uh, you know, they're like, you know, this this uh, jailer who's, you know, kind of the uh, another mean guy. We've got a lot of mean guys in this story. Um, you know, the the... Jailer's got a little bit of a sense of humor, you know. I guess that's what it is of some of Dennis Spooner's stuff. Is there's a, more of kind of a dark humor aspect. Um, it is it is kind of humor um, that's used, in, you know, more 
you know, like more directly than um, John Lucarotti's stories, you know, like Marco Polo and the Aztecs and like that. But uh, so this uh, the citizen comes along, this, uh, this guy Lemaitre, and uh, the jailer's being kind of deferential toward him. He's like, kind of says, yes, sir, and all this stuff. And, you know, he goes in to talk to, to Ian, and they talk for a little while. And then apparently Lemaitre gets Ian taken off of the guillotine list. So that's nice. Um, you know, that that's good. Although we we uh, we do see that uh, that's not going to be the case for um, poor Barbara and Susan. And the shot at the end of the episode is of Ian looking out the 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 window of the the jail cell, where the you know through the the bars to outside, and seeing that Barbara and Susan are are being marched toward the guillotine. And uh, then we get next episode a change of identity. So. And that, that's where we leave it. That's basically what happens in this episode. So there's, I mean, you know, we're getting, you know, we're starting, we're starting to get some of the uh, capture, escape, you know, recapture, or, you know, that, that kind of thing that becomes a dynamic in a lot of these, these stories. And, you know, here it doesn't feel so much like filler as it does in some of the other stories, at least so far. Okay, episode three, uh, change of identity, um, and the the change of identity in question is the uh, the doctor um, when he gets to Paris, he, he heads for the conciergerie uh, prison to try to get everybody else out, and he find out finds out that they're not there um, because yeah, you know Susan and Barbara have been taken on to the the guillotine and. Uh, then um, Ian was able to escape because, as it turns out, the jailer is this like bumbling drunk, <laughs> and uh, he leaves the keys in, you know, to the cell in easy reach where Ian can just like reach out of the cell, grab him, and oh, you know, let himself out, and he's he's all good. So he's you know he takes off, and um, so that that works out pretty well. Um, Barbara and Susan are hijacked, hijacked's probably the wrong word, um, by these two uh, counter-revolutionaries. Um, these two guys, uh, you know, Jules and Jean. <laughs> um, you know, they, they take them to a safe house. And uh, I'm, I'm consulting the Wikipedia entry on these to, uh, you know, to make sure I've got my facts straight here. Because I'm not taking notes. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's working out fine for this one. Um, you know, I can just take a quick look at the notes and, or just the Wikipedia and I'm, I'm good. Um, but, uh, you know, so they're, they're at the safe house and they meet up with this, there's another guy there named Leon, uh, Leon Colbert. Um, I'm not sure if he's, he might be related to Stephen Colbert. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. No, but Leon seems rather... He's got kind of a creep vibe to him, and uh, you know he he kisses Barbara's hand, and he's you know there seems to be something like the camera's kind of lingering on him in a certain way, where you're like, yeah, I don't know about this Leon character at all. Uh, I don't really know about that, what to think. But you know, as the doctor has gotten to Paris, um, 
he knows he needs to, in some way, uh, you know, pretend to be someone of of importance in the in the in this place. You know, some doctors, some incarnations would not have bothered to even change their clothes. They would just like go in like they own the place, you know, as like a like a figure of authority. But um, the doctor gets the, this uh, this uh, outfit where he's going to portray a regional officer of the provinces, and he also uh, gets this crazy ass hat um, with these huge feathers sticking up out of the top of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put a, a shot of that on the uh, you know on the the show art just to. Show what he looks like because he looks great. He looks he looks great with this um, with his hat on. The the doctor, um, you know, playing this regional officer. Here is this news about uh, Susan and Barbara, uh, you know, um, escaping from the their fate at the guillotine, and Ian escaping from the prison cell. And um, the doctor is very good at uh, pretending this is bad news, <laughs> but really. Like Hartnell did this thing where he would like his eyes would shift back and forth, um, and you would know that he's that he's thinking he's thinking about this, um, you know. And sometimes he'll like mumble little little bits of his thoughts, like just enough so the audience is keyed in, but the person that is actually in the room at the time with him or the people that are in the room don't catch on to it. <laughs> so that's a fun little trope, and. Um, and uh, the other thing to know on this episode is Susan's very sick. Um, for whatever reason, I, I'm, I'm not sure if we find out what specifically is going on with her. Um, my bit of headcanon right now until I get through the rest of the story, and maybe there'll be there maybe there's a different explanation. But uh, my my headcanon is that. Uh, you know, she was affected by the the whole encounter with the the sensorites more than we thought. You know, because like she was telepathically connected to them, and you know her sense of telepathy was was increased at that time. So maybe she's going through like withdrawal from that. Um, but anyway, she is just. I mean, she she's very she's tired. She's exhausted. Um, she can barely even uh, keep up, and you know Barbara's keeping track of, of her and um, you know, they end up in a, in a safe area and then there's other people that are helping them out. Okay. I found my old uh, written review of uh, the reign of terror from um, a few years ago. And I, it, I guess as it turns out, I guess I did watch the uh, animation. I think I got it off of blockbuster at, um, online at one point off block. No, not blockbuster um, Netflix. Um, back in the day, like I, I got a copy of the DVD to, to watch it. Um, because as soon as it started in with the, the, uh, the animation for episode four, I'm like that, yeah, that seems familiar. And then I looked it up to see what I wrote. I'm just going to read off what I, uh, what I wrote about the DVD animation. Um, and then I'll watch it and see if I, uh, still agree with myself. The BBC DVD animations of missing episodes are a bit of a shock at first. You get used to seeing the full video as well as hearing full audio, and suddenly you're looking at animated characters instead of actual people. Some of them are more accurate than others. They've done up a great William Hartnell, and the eyes of the Carol Ann Ford animation are pretty ex uh, expressive, but I'm not as convinced by the Barbara or Ian renditions. 
That said, it doesn't take long to start to accept these as viable alternatives to the real thing, which sadly the BBC trashed many moons ago. The loose canon reconstructions have been lovingly, painstakingly rendered over the past decade or so, uh, and are fun to watch, but when watching them, I'm continually reminded of the absence of the source material. With these animations, I can almost delude myself into thinking the original episodes still exist in their entirety. It's really just a matter of tricking my brain, which immediately is pretty easy to do. And I might as well finish the, the reading for, the, for that episode, um, which is called The Tyrant of France. Um, even though I'm, I'm still about to watch it in this, in this um, rewatch marathon extravaganza. The Doctor meets Robespierre, Maximilian Robespierre, who does not look like the Tyrant of France that we've been told he is. Or maybe it's just the animation throwing me off again. The Doctor tries in his own way to rewrite at least one line of history by telling Robespierre what to do, but it doesn't work. Susan is still sick, and her physician wants to treat her by using leeches. The Doctor's reunion with Barbara is surprisingly tender. My dear Barbara, given that just four episodes ago he was ready to toss her and Ian out on their collective ears. The getting captured, escape, getting captured again routine becomes noticeable in this episode. It's not tedious yet, but it's getting there. The good news is that the previous sentence was the first negative comment I've made about this serial after four whole episodes. Oh, that's pretty good. So, okay. Um, all right, I'll go ahead and watch that one. I, I just wanted to to try reading off the... I You know, I have written reviews of all the first three seasons of Doctor Who. And... I, I've, I've resisted the temptation to, to read them out on here up until now. Um, there was an episode of Radio Free Shambles I did last year um, on the, the anniversary. It was the 59th anniversary of Doctor Who. And um, I read my review of An Unearthly Child, the first, the first serial, uh, all four parts. Uh, but it almost feels like cheating. To do that instead of to just give you my my um, off the cuff reaction to to this later viewing, so I don't know. I'll, I'll probably you know maybe I'll consult it briefly sometimes, but you know I want this to be I want this to have an organic feel to it. Like I'm I'm watching and reacting, even though I have seen it before. Um, it's still this is probably still only like the third viewing ever that I'd had because I, I know. I know I had watched the Loose Cannon Reconstruction, as I said in that review, um, and uh, you know then I had watched this this animation once. Yeah, it just, it just kicked in as I started the episode. It goes to the animation, and it's, it is very jarring. Um, you know when you're when you've spent three episodes watching you know the the real thing, like the full the real McCoy, so to speak, but. Uh, the, you know, and all of a sudden to go to animation. So it's, I'm glad that that it is that it was made and that um, we've got it to uh, consult. You know, to to get a good idea of how the story flows. You know, um, the reconstructions can uh, can have kind of, you know, it's it's like I said, it's it's difficult to uh, get into that headspace and. Uh, to forget that you're watching basically just still images up against uh, the uh, audio soundtrack of the uh, original episodes. So, you know, maybe they'll find, maybe they'll find these someday. I, 
you know, it seems like the, the chance for that is getting less and less as time goes on, um, for, for people to find the, uh, you know, full intact video of these missing episodes. They found a bunch though. They have, I mean, the gaps used to be very wide to where doing this, this kind of a rewatch marathon extravaganza, um, would have been very frustrating back, uh, you know, in like the, the, like the nineties and you, you had, you know, big gaps were missing, you know, and you, you, like we barely had anything of, uh, you know, Troughton for one thing. And they, they have found a bunch of stuff in the last few years. So, okay. I'm going to go ahead and watch episode four, a tyrant of France. Oh, my, my take on it right now is that uh, as I'm watching it right now, where the hat actually looks great in live action, the, the doctor's hat, but now I'm watching it on the animation, it just looks silly. <laughs> so there's that. The first doctor is so great at depicting a, a, like a figure of authority or some historical figure in these stories. Like Hartnell really rose to the challenge of that. Okay, I, I'm going to contradict my younger self a little bit in that some of these, uh, in some of these scenes, like Barbara's talking to Leon about Susan's condition and she's not sure why Susan's sick. There, the animation does a lot of quick cuts back and forth to the, the actors talking and even into like, they'll, they'll do, they'll be like a random, um, It'll be like a, a random zoom in on someone's mouth and then back to their eyes and back. like just within one line of dialogue there might be like three different uh cuts you know shots like back and forth so to speak and on this viewing i'm finding it a little intrusive <laughs> um like it just seemed some of these seem almost obnoxious um like something like a, a so, some trendy filmmaker would try to to, to do and I don't think that's how the original video would have been especially judging by uh, the existing episodes they, they seem to pr be pronouncing Lemet differently different characters are somebody saying like Lemaire or Lemaitre <laughs> back and forth the doctor would talk to Rosebeer and, and he managed to weasel out of uh, having to tell about the you know the situation in his non-existent province um, he turned the conversation around to the situation in Paris which is a brilliant doctor move I also forgot to mention in the previous episode that uh, when the doctor was at this um, shop you know he likes a little shop well, um, he was exchanging the uh, you know the clothes like he was getting clothes and the uh, the guy took his ring and it's like he took the doctor's ring that seems really you know but the, the doctors didn't seem to have a problem at all it's like oh here you go so i don't know if he wears a different ring later in the series or if he gets it back i'm not i'm not quite sure yeah ian is uh, reunited with barbara and it feels so good i'm sure <laughs> reunited and it feels so good see now i'm going straight into reaction mode of what I'm watching as I'm as I'm recording and talking. That's another way of 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 handling this. That's another 
Another thing to keep in mind. Ian also finds Jules Renan, which he was supposed to look for, for Webster. Uh, these these French people drink wine a lot. The doctor's good at uh, he's like making his outrage known because like he was he was he has to stay here for the night and uh, you know he's talking about how the bed was was awful and <laughs> it was drafty and everything. The, the physician uh, said it's not very serious. She's just got like a fever, but you know he's gonna try try a little spot of bloodletting. You know, try you know, try some leeches. No big deal. Ever I mean, that's that must be like popping a Tylenol back in the you know France in the 18th century. I don't know if they think it's the plague. I think um, that, that's going on with her, but you know, not serious. Ian met up with Leon, and it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, this is kind of an interesting take on it. Do these like reaction? Yeah, I I think I'll probably go back and forth with it. Um, I'll do some talking off the cuff about the episodes after I watch them. Some of them I'll I'll record commentary as I'm watching them. Little little snippets of comment, um, and. Uh, you know, I mean, there's no right or wrong way to do this, so I'm just gonna experiment, like they did in the early days of Doctor Who. It was an experimental t time, you know, for uh, storytelling. The the animation for those was done longer ago than I thought it was. This particular one, they were animated in 2012. Yeah, Ian's been captured by Leon in the start of this uh, fourth, fifth part. It's a, a bargain of necessity. Too bad, I was just beginning to like Leon, too. So, so hashtag sarcasm. But, uh... And, uh, the doctor and Barbara are catching up, and she's like, well, Susan had a slight fever, but she's recovered now. Like, a slight fever. Like, she was really sick. <laughs> what the hell? But, anyway, and she had headaches and all this kind of stuff. But then, you know, she's like, she's like, doctor, how'd you get away from the burning house? And he's like, ah... Uh, that's not important right now. <laughs> like, let's not give that kid any credit. You know, it's fine. Barbara just complimented the doctor on his hat. It is a cool hat. This is animation again, so it's it looks really silly, but that's fine. That jailer's playing right into the doctor's hands. He's, <laughs> he's talking about how can we get information on Barbara's friends because she'll die before she turns them in and. The jailer's like, what about if we uh, let her escape and then follow her and find where the traitors are? And he's like, oh, how, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> it was like, but of course, it's exactly what the doctor wants. There was also a bit where the doctor said to Barbara, you know, my plans always work perfectly. And the animation actually had Barbara 
like her face kind of flicker for a second. Like she, she's like, you know, denying what he's saying, but she's not going to say anything, but she's amused by it. That was a good bit of animation. What is with this? Hang on a second. I got to pause this. Why is it Milo? Yeah, Milo doesn't get it either. But, um, but uh, Leon is interrogating Ian to find out, you know, it's like, you know, who sent you from England? You know, why did you come to France? And Ian's like, all right, all right, I'll tell you the truth. He's like, I, I flew here with three friends in a small box. When I left England, it was 1963. Like, he, he tried telling Marco Polo the same thing, and it didn't work. Like, you know, what, <laughs> what exactly? I mean, are you just trying to confuse Leon, or what's going on? You know, what what's happening here? <laughs> it's just funny to hear because the doctor was so worried about people from from Earth in the past finding out you know about time time space travel and Ian's directly telling everybody that uh, you know that they, they are time travelers <laughs> it's like even directly telling them that they, they, they won't they won't believe you we've got a little battle sequence here with Jules, and I think that's, was that Leon that just got shot? No, there's Leon. Leon's a traitor, and then, okay, now he's shot. Some other soldier got shot, and now um, Leon got shot. Oh, and there was a pretty interesting animation of a big spider in the background. <laughs> that's the kind of thing you wouldn't have seen on the actual, on the actual video. Ian's gonna go with Lemaitre. Oh, the doctor found Susan. Oh, yay. <laughs> He's not going to tell anybody how he escaped the farmhouse when it was burning. There really is a lot of capture and escape, capture and escape in this story. There's a good scene between Ian and Barbara and uh, Jules where... They say that uh, Leon was the traitor, so Jules killed him. And Ian's like, it's, it was the only way. And um, Barbara kind of debates as to, you know, it's all in your perspective of history of whether um, whether Leon was a, a traitor or a patriot. You know, just um, it's all in it's all in your perspective. It's all in how you see it. And uh, she's got a great line of like, you know, you check your history book before you decide what people deserve. And she's been through the whole situation with the Aztecs, and she knows what it's like to g get involved in the, like all the complexities of people in conflict with each other. So it's it's a very interesting uh, you know dynamic that we've got taking place here. Oh uh, yeah, I wish that scene still existed so we could see Barbara's actual uh, facial expressions in that, and Ian's for that matter. The the Ian and Barbara animations are working more for me. Working better than they they did before. I'm I'm seeing Barbara in there sometimes. Um, like Jacqueline Hill had a had a certain kind of crestfallen expression that she would use when things were going bad um, for Barbara. Um, and she has a line where she says she's she's just tired, just sick and tired of seeing all this death. Like everywhere they go, they just see death, and uh, that's a very poignant statement. Episode 6 is called Prisoners of the Conciergerie, which 
that's what we've seen throughout the story is <laughs> the, the people being prisoners of the the conciergery jail now we're back to live action and oh that's really nice to see there's that door opening and the doctor comes in with Lemaitre dun 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 then we've got to reveal that uh, Lemaitre is uh, is James Sterling in, in disguise and uh, he has been the whole time yeah he didn't he didn't know if he could trust Ian so he, he didn't tell him the truth of who he actually was at this point the doctor's only motivation seems to be making sure he can get Susan out of prison which is is reasonable <laughs> definitely yeah they're even making making note of the fact that there have been so many escapes and recaptures I'm so freaking childish because they mention this character that's a deputy named Paul Barras <laughs> like Barras I'm, I'm such a child I'm not as interested in the political intrigue of this and I don't know if that's a deficiency in the story or a deficiency in me <laughs> but at this point I'm sort of feeling like all right I want this to wind down now that's, that's a recurring quality of, of a lot of six-parters <laughs> They've kind of taken over this inn, the sinking ship, for this big confrontation. And, uh, you know, Barbara's like, just like serving customers. <laughs> it's like, wait, what the hell is going on all of a sudden? What, what are we doing here? Ian's putting on kind of a fake voice to pretend to be like this innkeeper. Oh, here we are, here we are. There's a whole sense of inevitability here like it doesn't really matter what the doctor and his companions would do um napoleon's gonna uh, napoleon's there by the way <laughs> and napoleon's gonna end up being ruler of france and robespierre will be taken off the guillotine like no matter what happens so you know there's that same kind of sense of inevitability as in the aztecs even if time travel doesn't quite seem to work the same way as it did in that story um, there's still that recurring theme about it okay so james sterling arranged for susan's release and uh the downfall of robespierre is happening And that's going to be about it. And there we go. I finished The Reign of Terror and uh, Season 1 of Classic Era Doctor Who. And uh, there's, a, there's a bit right at the end where the, the travelers, well, the travelers were, they got a lift from Sterling back to um, where the TARDIS was parked um, near that uh, burned down farmhouse. And um, they're kind of speculating. They're like, well, it's... Napoleon wouldn't have believed anything that we would have told him if we had told him what's going to happen. Ian's like, uh, well, what if, what if we wrote him a letter and, and all this stuff? And and the doctor's like, this, it's really not worth talking about it. Screw it. I have a speech to come up at the end of the episode. And then we see the, the shot of 
the stars of like outer space and the doctor's you know voice gets kind of echoey and he's like you know our destiny is in the stars and we need to get back there and learn and do other things and then that's the end and there's also there's a title card at the end that says next episode planet of giants um which is the first story of uh the second season uh which we'll get to soon uh i i did get through this entire story in one day and uh that might not be the best way to watch a hartnell six-parter uh but i did it <laughs> so i'll try to i'll probably try to span these things out a little bit more um going forward but uh you know it was fun it was a fun little experiment and i i do like um uh, you know i'm i'm curious if you know what does it sound like to somebody else of like uh either me just summarizing the episode or actually making little comments as it goes and you 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 can kind of hear bits of the episode. I, you know, I'm kind of wondering um, what people think on that. So, if you if you want to, feel free to drop me a a comment, um, letting me know what you think of it. I'll I'll probably just keep doing a little bit of both because it's just kind of fun to do do both both of those things. You know, it, I think it just depends on the on the story. So, I put. Reign of Terror at a seven out of ten. Um, you know, it's 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 a strong historical. Um, the the thing that I really have the problem with is just all the captures and escapes, captures and escape. I think they kind of relied on that a little bit too much in this. But uh, otherwise, like it's it's well directed. Um, you know, the animation for the missing episodes is. Uh, is quite good. I think I just had to get used to it a little bit more. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I would give it a 7 out of 10. Um, brief roundup on season one. I was originally going to do, like, separate episodes for the end of each season. Have a little bit like season one roundup. Um, I am definitely going to do that at the end of each Doctor. Like, like a Hartnell roundup or whatever you want to call it where I'll talk about the era in general. But for this, I think I just I could just sum it up briefly at, at the end of the last story of the season. Um, they, the characters have come a long way, as they said repeatedly during uh, the Reign of Terror. <laughs> um, they've been through a lot of adventures, and uh, you know they've gotten to know each other pretty well. Um, now we're back to where the, they're getting along you know, quite well with, you know, the school teachers and the doctor and, you know, there's, there doesn't seem to be the risk of him throwing them off the ship anymore. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they're, they're still trying to get home, but they're kind of resigned to their fate right now. And they're, you know, they're into it in a way. They definitely want to go back home still, but they're, they're kind of into, um, the vibe and the flow of the whole, time space traveling thing and you know and they genuinely like the doctor and of course susan and you know so they're they're you know they're just they're just trying to get up and get back home you know <laughs> but uh yeah we have come a long way and the, and the the character of the doctor has has come a long way from the guy that was gonna freaking kill that uh caveman because you know he was 
getting in his way of getting back to the TARDIS. So, um, yeah, all in all, um, it's a great season. Um, there are no terrible stories. Um, I mean, my lowest rated one of the season is the Sensorites, but I still gave it a 5 out of 10, um, which would kind of average who. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it, it had some intriguing ideas, but then at the same time, it was, uh, you know, the, the, the Sensorites were not very well realized. Um, it's, it's confusing as to why they do a lot of the things that they do, say the things that they say, you know, but, um, my highest rated one of the season is the Aztecs. I still, I love the Aztecs. It's, it's a complex story. Um, a great historical, uh, Marco Polo is not far behind either. Um, uh, I think I gave, I gave the Aztecs a 10 out of 10 and I gave Marco Polo, I think I got it. I gave it an eight, but, um, but yeah, um, really good season all the way around. And, uh, I, I think it would have intrigued audiences of the time. Uh, you, you know, I mean, you definitely got the thing where you're, you're watching an episode a week and you have to remember what was in the previous episode and what were they doing here? But, um, depending on the story, they often do a fairly good job of kind of recapping a little bit, um, within the narrative and, and you see a little bit of the, the, you know, cliffhanger, uh, you know, in the next episode, like the, the reprise, you see a little bit of it and, and I'm sure at the time, you know, with so few channels in England, uh, people would have, uh, you know, everyone would have been watching, you know, it's like every, you know, like you go, I can imagine kids going to school the next Monday after it's been out on a Saturday and talking about, uh, did you see what, what was that, that pepper pot thing? What is that? You know? Um, and, uh, do you think the Vorder is, uh, fun as the Daleks, <laughs> that kind of thing. So all in all, great season, great season. Um, some, you know, some flaws, but no season of Doctor Who is perfect. Uh, that's, you know, it's inevitable. There's going to be one that's more, you know, that that's kind of more on the side of, of not so great, but, uh, you know, still. So, yeah, so a very good season. And, uh, the next episode of Somewhere in the Hooniverse, as I said, we'll be dealing with Planet of Giants, which was kind of the original concept for the first what the first story would have been. They, um, originally, they were going to be shrunk down to like an inch tall or whatever it was, two inches, and uh, you know they were going to be in this laboratory and trying to get their way out. And, uh, so. So, you know, Verity Lambert, who's the producer, who I've barely, I don't even know if I've mentioned her in this, but she was, I mean, she she was uh, invaluable in getting Doctor Who started. You know, the first woman producer of BBC history. And, um, you know, so I, I guess she and, and uh, the production team decided to incorporate the idea into the beginning of the second season. And uh, we'll see how effective that was, um, next time. So I, I just want to thank you for joining me on this, uh, journey through, uh, the early years of, of, uh, Dr. Who, as we just finished season one. Um, and, uh, I'll be back soon with Planet of Giants. So, 
Um, until then, go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.